insert additional coin. It's Jake Lee. You honor me with your presence, Crispy Knee. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Brad Ziegler. He's usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. It's sports unseal. We will not back down. Come on, everybody. It is. I don't know why there's a little bit of a hitch in my. <laughs> Get on, everybody. It's a. Uh... Jake, Chris, and Brad, as always, at Sports Unsealed. It is the Athletic Podcast Network, which you should be checking out because coming very soon, we're going to have a lot more football podcasts added to the network. But bottom left-hand corner of the app, top right-hand corner of the website. And you guys ready to get on with this? Apparently, I'm, I'm Southern today. Yeah, what's going on there? I don't know. Hitch. I don't know what was up Giddy with up start. in your hitch. <laughs> yeah. Game on, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I've been spending way too much time in Virginia. It's, it's finally. I don't think Virginia has a has a like a twang or anything. I mean, unless you're like out by West Virginia, but I don't think I think we're like non. Like I don't think I sound that much different from you, Chris, unless I say like you know something with an O in it. Yeah, like car, bar, boat, <laughs> oot, 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 sorry, or yeah. guy. Yeah. I don't say guy a lot. So or buddy. What do, wait, actually, what do you use for I- most for people? I say a lot of buddy, but people take that the wrong way. Like, don't call me buddy. Like, I'm not your pal. Like, well, if you're dropping, yeah, if you're dropping the buddy on Twitter, that's a whole another game. Like, yeah. oh yeah, whatever, buddy. Like, that's kind of. <laughs> it's almost kind of like the. I don't. I don't it's the like, the jab at the end. Like, I'm not really taking what you say seriously. Yeah, I can see that. Like, buddy, come on. You Do you know? get a lot of buddies, Brad? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no nope, buddies. I do not. <laughs> you have no buddies. <laughs> no buddies. No buddies at all. All right. Lots to get into. Uh, football season is coming. Uh, this is the FC North week, which hopefully you're paying attention to this show because if you're not, you're going to come back because I spoke to Mike Tomlin. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about probably a little bit of Scott Fishbowl, some wrap up quick hit fire things at the end. Uh, real quickly, though, baseball, real quick. Don't worry, guys. It's going to be like five minutes at most. But we didn't get to it last Thursday. Or nope, Wednesday, because we're Mondays and Wednesdays now. That's why we didn't get to it. The Atlantic League. Brad, I really want to talk to you about this one first. This is So the Atlantic, Le- the Atlantic League is not only trying to implement new rules. Like, it's not the pitch clock that we've seen before. Like, no, 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 no. It's two things. One is, which was, Chris knows this, my and my buddy's idea of how to make robot umpires work is to put an earbud in him, tell him if it's a call or you know, it's a strike or a ball, and he still makes the call. That's exactly what they did. They used Doppler, and he gets a little ring in his ear. He knows whether it's, a, it's like a half-second extra delay, calls his strike or a ball, and it's not his decision anymore because the robot's doing it. So, one, just your thought on that in general with robot strikes. But stealing first. Anytime there's a passed ball, you can run for first. Like, it's a third strike fastball. Like, that one kind of seems <laughs> a little out there, Brad. Yeah, to to a point, I understand. Um, at the same time, um, I, I I'm actually kind of open to this idea because if the you if first? you have yes, and and here's the reason why: if you have uh, the the electronic strike zone, there is no longer any kind of value for the catcher in framing pitches. Um, you know that that to me is a lot of what the catcher does is try to get pitcher strikes by the way he catches the ball that's out the window now so this at least puts a premium on catcher defense and and a guy who he has to block this ball do anything he can to keep it in front of him at all times not just with runners on base and i i think it adds value back to the catcher position and it, and it doesn't make a a a pitch just kind of a throwaway pitch so i'm at least open to the concept i i 
you know, I know it changes the game a lot. It, it's it seems kind of crazy. At the same time, like I I like. I don't like taking value away from the catching spot because that to me was was vital, especially for me, a guy that threw the ball threw a ball with a lot of movement. I needed a catcher that could stick a pitch, and if that is out the window now, that it's like you know essentially what is the catcher doing? He's putting down fingers, but I'm I'm shaking off and telling him what I want to throw. He's basically just back there to make sure a guy didn't steal a base, and and you're giving him one job defensively, and I don't like that. I, I like adding adding some. Uh, you know, at least some, you know, some value to a, a guy who is athletic behind the plate. I don't know if I like any of it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I just, it just seems weird to be able to steal first. Um, you know, it just, it's just changing the game too much for me. I don't know. Like, Brad, you're a pitcher. You just touched on it. I get it. I get your points. But, like, for... For a pitcher who just wants to throw something in the dirt, like off, you know, his second pitch of the at bat, and you know, and the catcher misses it, but he's just going to go to first now. Is this going to change, like, you know, guys' confidence throwing, you know, off-speed pitches? I, I don't know. I, I think we're just changing it too much. I don't feel like a guy should be able to steal first. Like I watched that clip. I hadn't even heard of it, Jake. <laughs> you know, I saw it in the dock and I watched the clip and I was like, what is this? Like it just seemed so amateur to me. It just seemed like little league ball. Like, oh, you can run to first because you can't make contact. Go ahead, go steal first now because the pitcher made a bad pitch. So I, I'm not about it. I'm but not. it's the, it's the same idea. Often. It's the same idea that happens on a strike three, anyways. Like if you swing and miss at a pitch in the dirt and and it gets away, you can run yeah. to first. Then it just makes it where you can do it earlier in the at bat, also. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't have it. a problem I just don't with like it. it. I just don't like do it on strike three. Why do you, why does he get to go on? You know, I just, I'm curious. I, I haven't seen how is this scored. Like, if a guy steals first, like how does does it affect his? Is it is it basically treated like a walk where? I was you know, say, I, I, you can't get it at bat, I would assume. Yeah, it wouldn't be an at bat, mate, but it's got to help your on base percentage, and it's got to hurt the pitcher right. in some way. Yeah, it has so to I, hurt the pitcher. I, I, I'm assuming you tr- kind of treat it like a walk. Yeah, I, I, I mean, or or an error, maybe. I yeah, don't know because, it, well, if it's a pass ball, I would say yes. If it's a wild pitch, I would say you got to treat it more like a walk because right, so, you. So that's, like, so that's it's got to be on the pitcher. So let's forget that because I, I mean, let's be honest. Let's in the reality of things, I don't think that's going to happen. Like that, just because no. to your point, Brett or Chris is it's it's a little out there. Like I understand, Brett, I never even thought of it that way, Brad. It really does bring into light the whole you know you put value back on the catcher, and that's interesting. But let's just go back real quick, and we'll get the football. But let's let's assume that's not happening. But the solution, which again, I, well, kudos. So Brett Nieder, I'm calling him out. He's my friend since like sixth grade. He's the one that was sitting on my couch that had this idea, and we were talking about. And said, this is how you make robot umpires work, and you still have the umpire behind home plate. He still makes the calls safe or whatever, or interference or anything like that. So you still don't, you know, upset everybody by just putting a robot behind home plate. But they're doing that. If they do that, Brett, like, are you okay with that? Like, I understand it's going to lose a little bit of value for the catcher if you don't have the stealing first base thing. But are you okay moving in that direction? Or are you the fan that likes, and actually of the former player, is the one that you like those strikes that might not really be strikes because it was framed or because you're, you know, Tom Glavin or Greg Maddox continually working the strike zone further and further and further out to now where you get one that's like two inches off the plate? Sure. And I, so my thought is the game is going this direction eventually. It's, it, there's no question that someday down the road, even if it's 10, 15, 20 years down the road, it's going to happen. So why not get out in front of it? Because 
baseball, the, the, one of the biggest um, issues I have with baseball in general is they are very re- reactionary with stuff. They wait until there is a major incident, whether it's a, a you know, a, a bad call, the Jim Joyce call at first base on, on the, you know, Armando Galarraga's perfect game. All of a sudden, people want replay, and and replay comes. Then you know they uh, a fan fans get hit with line drives. A, a lady dies at Dodger Stadium last year getting hit with a line drive. Now they're starting to extend the the netting. It's like they're they're so reactionary with with everything. Get out in front of it. Make a change. If you have the technology to make this accurate, make a change and get out in front of it before you're reacting to a a blown strike three call that costs a team the World Series and and is, is essentially this massive stain on the game for, for a long time, especially for, for a fan base for a team that gets jilted by it. Chris, was yeah. it just me or were you thinking of Michael Jackson in your head too when he kept saying make a change? <laughs> no, I, it was just you. But it's just now you. I am. Yeah. yeah, now I am for sure. Now the songs in your head. Yeah, <laughs> Th- this I can get behind um, a little bit more. Brad's right. I mean, just get it right. How many times have we talked about this across all the sports? Right. We just had this conversation with hockey and the and the hand pass overtime goal that happened between the Sharks and the Blues, and we were talking about the Saints and the Rams, the way that that game finished and what the NFL is doing to adjust. So yeah, just get it right if you have the technology to to do so do it i mean it's right there for you and yeah there's been some calls you know some some blown calls i think there was a a video that was trending online i forget who the umpire was but it was masahiro tanako just a straight fastball right in the heart of the plate and he called it i forget who it was he called it a ball and like we're just we're all sitting there with the technology <laughs> now it's like what are you doing it's, so it's, it's got to be angel hernandez yeah it probably that, was that, <laughs> no doubt to single him out yeah like, it's true like so guys like that who are just completely blowing the calls and i mean every time i watch hernandez behind the plate it's both teams like there's arguments now from both sides right. it's not just one team so it's with oh. this technology, you know, you could actually re- get him out of the way. He well, could just retire. Say, like, his name so the- is synonymous with, like, screwing things up. Like, I don't understand how this guy has a job. Well, I, and I agree. I mean, they, they have tenure. Like, it's, I mean, it's just like a, a teacher. Unless he does something illegal, he's not, his contract's guaranteed, basically. Yeah, but those calls at, are illegal. <laughs> at the <laughs> no same doubt. time, th- this, this would make there be less focus on guys like Angel Hernandez, who people constantly complain about. It will... Sp- I think this actually will speed games up if they get the technology right. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But if they get the technology right, this eliminates all all arguments between a batter and, and, a, and a home plate umpire, a pitcher and a home plate umpire. There, it takes it off out of that guy's hands, except for, you know, on a check swing or a foul tip or something like that. But it, it takes it out of his hands and it makes it to where, like, the, the batter just accepts what happens. And right. and the key, the key with this... Brad is like, you don't, have, you don't have them arguing, you don't have... Manny Machado. Running out of the I mean, you, you talk... You, I mean, you literally take five minutes off of every game eliminating these conversations. Like, a, a guy's constantly saying, like, hey, was that the edge? How many, you know, how many more balls off can he go, you know, or, or balls further out? Can he go before he's still on the plate? That that conversation goes away because the umpire is not the one making that call. The the key here and the hardest part of this it, to me to get right is the height of the strike zone because every batter is different, and and not only is everybody everybody different at the waist height, but or or wherever you want to say the top of the zone is, but everybody every batter is different at the the bottom of the knees or the middle of the knees or wherever you want to call that. It, it's that to me is the biggest issue, and that's what they've had issues with in the. Atlantic League so far, it's not the inside and outside. It's the up and down when a, a pitch that was obviously, you know, at least traditionally called a, a, a ball, a high strike, um, was called and it, it got a guy, it got a manager thrown out because they're basically saying the umpire should have overruled it 
watching the pitch like that oh, you know God. it screwed yeah, up yeah. It, well that that's one thing you get we gotta you can't have overruled exactly that, that, yeah. yeah that's gotta completely but to your the point, only time the only time they can right now is if a ball you know a pitcher throws a 40 foot curveball and it bounces into the strike zone it will call a strike on the machine and that's what the umpire has the ability to okay, overrule well, yeah so that's like a one out of a thousand pitch type sure. of situation so well so to your point real quick is we got to move on from this but it's surprising that they don't have this like if they're using Doppler I mean they could do computer mapping with bodies and video games now how can you not map out this is where the knee is and like just map out the body with like whatever they're using Doppler it seems to be uh, pretty damn good at what it does is there's the knee here's where the chest stomach area ends and there's your strike zone I mean because you're right it's it's like you I mean you go back to I mean you can even look like Jeff Bagwell's strike zone technically was one of the smallest you ever saw top to bottom because he's doing freaking squats at the home plate so yeah Phil Plantier yeah, so like, yeah, that's that's very interesting. But I promised everybody we talk football, and I promised everybody we would bring up the Steelers because once again, this is not self backpacking. It's not like I sat there and or like, eh, no, it's not even self backpacking. Humble bragging, whatever it is. I didn't get to talk to them for more than two minutes, and I had to do it walking between the hotel and the place where the event was held. Unlike last year, I actually got some decent time in with Tomlin. This one was very hurried, unfortunately. I tried to get more questions for everybody, but it was very hurried. Uh, I'm not going to give you the exact quote because I promised him I wouldn't give you the exact quote because I promised it was off record because guess what, everybody? Mike Tomlin, I don't know if you've heard, doesn't like to talk to the media. Uh, people were actually very surprised that I got anything out of him last year. You remember that, Chris, when people oh, yeah. were like, oh, really? He talked to you? It's like, normally he doesn't want to talk to anybody. But gave me a little bit of insight. And I want to talk about the one answer that we did get because the first one, I asked him. I said, you know, right now there's a you know there's a contest for your number two wide receiver, and that's important. And I I preface this with the fact that I only care for fantasy. And I told him, I was like, I just want to be accurate. Like I, I'm not trying to get the insight. I'm not going to go release this to everybody. It's like I just want to know because I want to know who's going to be the number two for my projections. And I said, so there's open competition between Moncrief and Washington. Heck, maybe even Deontay Johnson. It's like, what you know, what are you thinking talent wise? What are you looking at? Who's going to be your number two? He said, I don't know. And I looked at him, I was like, come on, like, not even, he's like, no, no, seriously, I'm not, he's like, I don't know. I was like, you know, they both have a lot of talent. I haven't seen a whole lot from either one of them yet. So, I mean, honestly, we don't know. Uh, real quick on this one, uh, Chris, I mean, anybody who says they know, guess what? They don't, because Mike Tomlin doesn't know. So, if you're projecting as of today, it's just your guess. So, your guess, Chris, who do you think will be the number two? I'm not surprised to hear him say that. I think I said the exact same thing a couple weeks ago that both of these guys, like Moncrief and Washington, are just blah. Like they're just I'm not surprised that nobody has stepped up yet and taken that role. I my guess would be Moncrief um, because we've seen it a little bit from him before in the past. But this is my problem with the Steelers this year is I I really feel like they're gonna miss Antonio Brown like big time and you know Juju Smith-Schuster if they want to move him around cool like he's great put him in the slot move him on the outside do whatever you want to do but he's going to face a lot of top coverage so one of these guys whoever does step up is going to have an opportunity I mean you look at Ben's track record is his resume he loves to throw the football he, he throws it what, a ton what if it's not what if it's do you think there's a potential run, they this is the first first time that we actually have you know, back and forth and back and forth and don't have a clear number two for the Steelers? Yeah, I think that's – I would lean that way as opposed to one of these guys stepping up and being the dominant number two. Yeah, I would go that way. Yeah, I I actually would lean Moncrief too, but – and we've had this conversation because I know, I know Jake was high on, on Washington, but um, I – the, the biggest thing to me is you have a guy who has experience over a guy who I, I feel like is very, 
very one dimensional as a receiver. And I think um, I, I, not that he can't have value doing that, because I think Martavis Bryant was the same way. And he had a lot of value at times um, for Pittsburgh, but it was big game, nothing, 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 big game, nothing, nothing, nothing. And and that's what I think you could get out of Washington, as opposed to Moncrief, who I think they, they would, you know, there would be some advantage to them throwing him in the slot and, and letting him kind of work underneath um, and and not, you know, not relying on the big play that you get from from Washington. Let him be on the outside and take the safety safety away. And, and you know, the biggest issue with Moncrief to me, um, you know, he's had a couple health issues, but the biggest issue was drops. He was, he dropped footballs all the time um, last year. And, and granted, some of that may have had to do with Blake Bortles. I don't know, but it just felt like every time I was watching him play, he had a drop every game, him and Keelan Cole both. And that's what makes me think that it might've had something to do with the way Bortles is throwing the ball. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, the, yeah, hey, I mean, there's no question Bortles had throwing issues, but I just don't know how they, you know, how they quote, you know, how they count drops or, or bad throws, catchable targets, whatever. But I, I think there's something um, something there with Moncrief. I think there's a really good chance that not that he's going to put up Antonio Brown like numbers, but that he will be a, a the, the wide receiver two in Steelers uh, in Pittsburgh and um, have some fantasy value this year. Yeah, and you mentioned it. The reason I like Washington is because I like the talent. And, if you know, we can go back to Moncrief, and Moncrief had the touchdowns back with the Colts. and you know, But even at that time, I think the second season, I, I think he had a decent amount of drops that year too. So I, it's kind of the – I hate to use the cliche, but it's kind of the cliche, the devil you know versus the one you – like that kind of – I think that's the way people are looking at it so far. If you watch drafts, more often than not, Washington goes before Moncrief, which as of today – after that conversation, and actually uh, Michael Robinson was there too because he's from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, he actually said he thinks it's Moncrief. Just we were talking off on the side. He said he thinks it's Moncrief just because of what he brings fit-wise. So, and he said he's a fan of Washington too. So to all that being said is Washington has talent, but it were projectability talent. You know, we've seen Moncrief to your point, Brad. So that's the one. The, the second one, which is going to make a lot of people happy. A lot of people happy if you've drafted James Conner because – Again, I, I can't tell you the exact word for word, but I'll just say I brought up the fact. The question was basically around the fact that what do we know about the Steelers and their running backs? That they use one running back the majority of the time. And I kind of threw the question out there with that paraphrasing and said, you know, what about Jalen Samuels getting more work this year? I didn't even finish Samuels' last name for everybody out there, just so you know. I was in the middle of the question, got halfway through saying Samuels, and Mike Tomlin jumped in and said a lot of really good things about James Conner. And I'll give you the very first part of it. It just, he's my guy, Chris. Nice. Yeah, that's that's encouraging to hear. Um, I mean, James Conner was, he was phenomenal in his first season in the NFL. I mean, just shy of 1,500 yards. I mean, he caught 55 balls. He was a beast. He was great. We had this conversation, you know, I think last week as well. I mean, you put his numbers up I and mean, you just blindfold, like, don't put the name up put him up next to Pittsburgh, you'd say, okay, Le'Veon Bell-like. I mean, really, just maybe just a little shy in terms of catches and not getting the, the targets, the 100 targets, but he did. He only played 13 games, right? He missed a couple games, so this is very encouraging. You're right. If you've drafted him, I took him in the Scott Fishbowl, I think, in the second round. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what you want to hear because we've over the past few years, whether it's D'Angelo Williams, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, whoever seems to step up, Samuel stepped up touch. one game. Yeah, it's Plus. just... It's it's fantasy goodness. Really, it really is. Whoever's running the ball, and I like Connor. I just think he's good. I think he's a solid running back. I mean, small sample size, sure, but four point five yards per carry, and can catch it to the backfield. So I don't think any of that is going to change this year. And it's and he's definitely going to be the goal line back there. And I do I have one more nugget for James Connor, by the way. Uh, Brad, your thoughts before I throw out the other nugget? 
No, go for it. I, I like Connor. I, I like Connor a lot. I've got him in a dynasty league, and um, I I would definitely prefer him over Samuels. He, you know, I don't think Samuels is is going to well, to handle a big the nugget. Load. Then, Brad, here's the question, and this is All what right. I kind of threw out on Twitter and was kind of talk. If you have the number five pick right now, mm. and let's just say, well, let's let's throw out DeAndre Hopkins, the number five running back, right now. Are you going to make a case for James Conner? Because I think I will at this point because now we have the Melvin Gordon since the last time we've done this show. We have the Melvin Gordon situation, which we're going to talk about. We have, you can make the whole argument about Le'Veon Bell of he's been a year off. He's got a bad offensive line in front of him. Who knows what it's going to be? The Adam Gase slow offense. Is that a concern? David Johnson, we all think things will be better. But I brought up, you know, said, you know, what if Kyler Murray is running too much that it knocks down his reception total? Like, we can poke holes in everybody. Does hearing this for you guys, I'll ask you both, Brad and Chris, does hearing what I said and what Tomlin told me and looking at the other players on the board and what we just saw from James Conner, who was the number six running back in half-point PPR in 13 games with, by the way, 55 receptions, everybody, does that make you feel like, you know what, maybe he would be my fifth running back off the board now? Um, I'm still taking David Johnson fifth, but I would put Connor sixth for sure. And I, I would have him just slightly ahead of Dalvin Cook. I like Dalvin Cook a lot. Um, I, you know, you can get Dalvin Cook in the second round, so I'm, I would be more than happy doing that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I like Connor a lot. I definitely put Connor ahead of, of Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon, um, you know, obviously Gurley, um, Nick Chubb. I don't know whoever else is in that in that group, but um, that's that's the guy I, I would definitely target. Um, if I had a late first round pick and I wanted to get a running back, um, and he was there, I would have no problem taking him. Yeah, I've recently moved him up as well to six. I, I do have David David Johnson ahead of him, just you know, again, just slightly. I think I heard. Ah. Um, yeah, but I'm I mean, the I, I David Johnson fan in the world, and I'm still like, I just. I feel like we're buying all the risk with this. I think like everybody's just turning. I, I know you're not, Chris, and I'm, I'm sticking with you here. I, yeah. I just feel like everybody's turning a blind eye to there are legitimate questions with David Johnson, too. Of course, yeah. I mean, once you get past these first four, I mean, you could... His offensive line stinks. Yeah, you could make a case for, I mean, a negative case for a lot of guys. Like David Johnson, his offensive line stinks. You mentioned Murray. There's a lot right. of inexperience. Yeah, a new And that's new my point. Is like, I, don't think, I, I, I don't think he's a bad pick at five. I just don't think what it's tur- he's turning into the consensus number five, and that's my only issue. Like I just, if you want to take James Conner over David Johnson, like you guys like David Johnson, I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm saying the people who say you're wrong not to take David Johnson are wrong. There was that right. enough wrong. Yeah, that make I, sense. Wrong. Yeah, there's, no. yeah, right? there's definitely some ambiguity there for sure. I I just you know I I think the upside for Johnson, we all know we, what he's capable of from a receiving standpoint, and the upside of that offense, if that offense is successful, and if Kyler Murray can can run it successfully at the NFL level. David Johnson's ceiling is through the roof, and I don't see his ceiling is RB one, and I don't see that out of James Conner. Whereas I I think James Conner probably has a safer floor um, than than David Johnson, but but James Conner, you know. All things considered, if all the all the running backs stay healthy, which obviously won't happen, but if they did, James Conner probably is you know his ceiling is a top five running back, but it's not it's not running back one. Not yeah, if everybody's healthy. Great no, value on Conner though. I mean, if you're picking at the end of the first, early second, like that is he's falling right into your lap. I mean, I'm yeah, sure things sure. will change now with Melvin Gordon, but I would have him ahead of Mixon, better offense. Le'Veon Bell, there's some question marks. I haven't seen him play football in a long time, and he's also playing for the Jets. So, um, you, you know, you, Connor is just terrific value at this point in time yeah that's that's okay all right so we're fair on that the other side of it just real quick this had nothing to do with tom this was another conversation and i don't remember if it was 
Michael Robinson or somebody else. Somebody was just talking about the fact of the fit in that offense is going to be a little bit different this year. So while he, whoever it was, so I, I can't tell you exactly. Um, it was a player. Um, the fact is that the fit's going to, like the style of the offense to the, and this is coming back to the receivers, the style of the offense might be a little bit different this year because James Conner is not Le'Veon Bell, and it's going to be a little bit different when you spend an entire offseason saying, James Conner's our running back. Let's tweak the offense. Let's you know run plays this way. Let's have the line shift this way. So there's going to be some changes. Which to go back to the initial part of this conversation, Chris was the whole like, well, maybe it's not a clear number two. Maybe it's not Juju Smith-Schuster's always blank receiver, and this person's always blank receiver. And maybe it's going to be more frustrating to why. And I'm not saying this just to be like, haha, this is who Chris said. But Chris mm-hmm. did say and got a little bit of pushback when he said Juju Smith-Schuster was his quote-unquote bust, more overvalued wide receiver for this year. Yeah, that's. I mean, again, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's. I think he's going to have a great season. But you know, seeing him go, you know, like wide receiver four. I saw him go ahead of Julio Jones at one point. Like, I, I just feel like that's too much. We have a, a significant sample There's people size. People saying he could be the number one wide receiver and all that's fantasy. crazy that's crazy to me like again they're gonna miss antonio brown like what antonio brown has done for that team over the past couple of years are we forgetting how good he is and the coverage the attention that he gets and still how dominant he was over the past couple of years like yeah juju i guess he had a better season than him slightly last year but he's gonna now face top coverage for the first time in his career i think he can handle it most times but move him out on the outside it's gonna be different for him and i, I just feel like antonio brown mike evans Julio Jones, like these are guys that I think I'd rather have than than Juju. Like I, Juju going ahead of Julio Jones, it doesn't make any sense. Like Julio Jones is like getting four fourteen hundred yards every single yeah, year. It's it's the same thing with Julio Jones every single year. Everybody's scared what? that he's broken again. No, he's, or he's that he's scared. broken. Yeah, yeah. Fine. yeah, and he's and he's getting a little older too. Like it's you know he Juju, is, yeah. we we haven't we you know in theory we haven't seen Juju's ceiling yet, and and his production you know granted well, I, I think it in did theory, help. What if we just did? I mean, I, look at what he just did Man. last year. I understand. I understand it was good, but he wasn't even the best receiver on his team, and now he's got a no, chance. And, but, and so at that point, no, no, no. I know. No, no. Look, I'm just counter. I'm, not, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate with you, Brad. It's sure. Exactly like what you, you said, we have it, and I think that's what a lot of people are doing with Juju Smith-Schuster. Is like that we haven't. He just had 111 receptions and 1,400 yards. Yeah. And we haven't seen the best. Is he get what, if, that? what if? What if? I got here. Here's the comparison I'll make. What if? Like Anquan Bolden, when he was with part of a duo as the 1B in Arizona, and then he was never quite as good despite being the now number one. What if Juju Smith-Schuster is that? And what if we did just see the best of Juju Smith-Schuster? It's possible. It's possible that it, that, that was the ceiling. I think there's more there, though, because, I mean, okay. Antonio Brown had, and I'm not saying... Juju is quite Antonio Brown's level, but I think he's really close. And Antonio Brown had, you know, two at least two seasons with catches around 130, 135. I can't remember exactly what they were, but like he, with enormous yardage, 1,600 yards, 1,800 yards, uh, double digit touchdowns. Like I think that's, that is, that is the, okay, 136 was his his top end. And 1,800 yards. So there you go. Yeah, like there, I think there is that, that possibility (laughs) with Juju because I think he, you know, he's still learning like he he's he's so young he's he hasn't figured out all the nuances of playing wide receiver yet and he's he's produced at an unbelievably high level I think there are ways that he can get better and I think he knows that and I think he wants especially with the back and forth on social media and stuff this offseason I think he wants to blow up this year and I think he's he's probably working hard and it wouldn't surprise me if he sees somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 targets this year 
I'm not going to question that. I understand that he wants to blow up and he's motivated and he wants to, to do good. But even with that season, like Jake just said, I mean, over 110 catches and 1,400 yards, he still finishes as wide receiver nine. Like, okay, so 166 targets. Is he going to flirt with 200? That's a high number, but sure. But, I mean, he's you can give him more targets, but the efficiency can drop down slightly. It's For him to, to top what he did... I, like, I think it's going to be tough to, to get that much better. And, again, wide receiver nine last season. Like, let's not forget about That's because of Evans. touchdowns, though. That's yeah, just because of touchdowns. For touchdowns, but, but seven, Mike seven Evans, Mike Evans, more more yards than him, like, more and few, like so, almost 20 fewer catches. Like, ooh, there's, there's other wanna, guys who have a, a bigger track record. I want to go back to one thing. And I know, like, to Chris, is you threw it out there and kind of glossed over it. I don't think it was because you were just, like, glossing over, like, to ignore it. But it's mm. something that Brad said. And it is something you said, Brad. So I'm going to let you counter both of what we're about to say here. And I don't know if Chris is going to even agree with me. But you talked about the targets. And what I was going to come back with Brad on, again, I'm playing devil's advocate. Like, I have Juju Smith-Schuster as a very high wide receiver. I think I have him six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. Um, the targets, I have it. Everybody keeps saying that, too. And I have a little bit of issue with the whole, like, oh, he's going to get 180, 192. Okay, for the past four seasons, nobody's gotten over, like, 173, I think it was. I'm looking back, and I, only, I knew it was 2015 because that was the Julio Jones-Antonio Brown season where they had 203 and 193. But the past four seasons, we haven't seen anybody even get close to that. So I don't know. Is he going to get – and I, I'm generally, like, is he going to get 180? Is he going to get 190, Chris? I don't think so. That's a pretty high number. And I know that he's just the the one guy there now. But, I mean, yeah, to your point, like 190 is it's pretty significant. It is, but, but AB, AB's think. done it a couple times. Brown had it a couple – in those big seasons, he had hundred close to 190 targets or, or j- just shy of 200, I remember. So it, it, it doesn't surprise me because who else is going to get them? It, so Antonio Brown had 170 targets, 168 targets last year. So let's say they throw a little less. Let's say they throw 50 times less this year. And so that's still 100, 120 targets that need to be dispersed. And it, you're, it's not like all those are going to go to, to Moncrief or Washington and all those are going to go to Vance McDonald. I think, I mean, all he's got to do is get 30 more. If he gets 30 more targets, he's at 196. Like, that's not that much. That's, that's two a game, though. That's not, that's not that much. I just I still think that's a lot. I just think the, the three people you three people you just named in a full season of James Conner and Jalen Samuels, despite you know again we heard from Tom, we got the news like he'll he'll be back there for the non seventy percent that it's not James Conner. I think all those guys absorb the most of it. The fact is is like I think the real big thing here is you now have a number three and a healthy Vance McDonald versus last year. It was just one and two. Like look at look at how long last year. The entire season, they never had a number three option. They never found somebody to consistently be out there where I think that you have somebody that's going to see the vast majority of that as the number three. You know, it's tough to compare Juju to Antonio Brown. I think we're dis- disrespecting Antonio Brown a little bit and what he did in that offense. Like, he deserved all those targets. He, he was more polished than Juju is at this point. You know what I mean? Like a few years ago, like I just don't feel like you can give Juju 195, 100, 200 targets. I mean, what are you just going to pepper him? Like if you're the opposing team, Juju is your game plan. We're sitting here talking about Dante Moncrief and James Washington. I mean, the head coach doesn't even know which guy's going to step up and be the number two there because he's not confident in any of these guys. So if you're the opposing team, you are doubling up Juju every single time you play him. And I just, wide receiver 7-8, that's fine. Like, I don't feel like that's bust territory. The reason I said bust is I'm seeing him go wide receiver 4-5. I think we're really, really 
just hoping that he can improve that much more. If he does exactly what he did last year, he's a wide receiver one and you're fine. But to draft him as like your wide receiver four over guys we've seen do this for years, I mean, I just I just have a, some questions about it. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I, I don't, I'm not saying I would take him over those guys, but right. I, I, Hopkins, Adams, uh, Julio and Michael Thomas are the only guys I would take over him. I'll say that. Well, since today is turning into mostly a, a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, <laughs> uh, Ben Roethlisberger, let's talk about him real quick. We might as well finish out talking about this team. Actually, we could talk about him and Vance McDonald. We didn't really talk much about Vance McDonald, but uh, actually I think he's quick. Do we all agree that he has tight end one talent, potentially yeah. top 10, just needs to yeah. stay on the field? Yeah. Good opportunity for him. Yeah, sure. for sure. It's just yeah. So these, I think he's one of the more popular, actually probably the most popular breakout tight end pick for everybody this year. If he could just stay, I mean, he was number ten last year despite only having fifty receptions. So, I mean, if he gets seventy, eighty receptions, he could be pushing that. Not quite George Kittle level, but right behind. He'll be in that next conversation of those three with the Evan Ingrams of the world, but. Ben Roethlisberger, I find interesting. So way back, Chris knows this because we did the mock draft for The Athletic, and I waited and waited and waited and waited on quarterback because I knew who I was drafting with. I knew I could wait forever. I knew I could wait till the very last round to take my quarterback because I know who I'm drafting with. And I said that twice because I want everybody out there that's know who you're drafting with because, you know, sometimes not every single draft you're in, you know everybody. But in your home league, your, you know, your work league, you know what's going to happen. If somebody, you're in a league where quarterbacks start going in the second round, you know what to expect. If you're in a league like this, you can know that quarterbacks are never going to go at all. And as the, what was it, Chris, the 14th, 15th, 16th, somewhere around there, quarterback off the board at the end of the draft, I took Ben Roethlisberger. And I was fine with that because he was number two last year. Do I think he's going to be number two again? Absolutely not. But I also find it weird that people are dismissing him as a QB1 altogether, Chris. Yeah, that is a little strange. Again, uh, I, I think this offense is going to take a little bit of a step back with Antonio Brown gone. But what we know about Big Ben is, you know, last year threw the most passes in the NFL. The year before that, he was top five in passing attempts. So, you know, it is a bit interesting. It's encouraging to hear the news that you said off the top with Tomlin and how, you know, they want to give the ball to James Conner and they'll use him the same way. So that means, you know, they still will run the football and, you know, he'll be involved in the passing game. But I, you know, this is why we talk about quarterbacks and, and waiting out. Last year is the same thing, Jake. You know, he was, the, like, some some drafts he didn't even get picked. I was in a couple where he was the last pick. I'm like, oh, wow, Big Ben and QB1 at the end. That's awesome. And, and to your point, he finishes a top two quarterback. Well, let me so ask you this. I think he has QB1 upside, obviously. Do you think it's crazy? Do you think it's excessive to say that he could lose 900 yards and six touchdowns off of what he did last year? No, he could, he could lose that. You don't I think, think that's a little excessive to say? I don't think so. What, 906? Nine hundred and six. All right, it would have. Oh, I think nine a uh, nine hundred and six. Okay, I miss nine hundred yards, six touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's excessive. I would yeah. say that's too much. much. Okay. And the biggest right. reason, let, let's say their oh, offense does on. take. You can okay. give your reason in a second. I, I was set, I was doing a setup, and I was hoping you would just like give me a clear <laughs> answer, Chris. <laughs> you screwed it up. Yeah. I, it is excessive because I'm bringing it up the year before that. That's what he had when he was QB ten still. Yeah. So I was bringing, that's why I brought it up. So go ahead, Brad. Sure. So uh, he, the, the biggest thing for me is let's say the offense does take a step back a little bit and they're not as good. Well, that means they're going to be trailing more at the end of games than they were last year, which means more volume. And, and so the, the volume, and I'm not saying more volume than last year, because obviously they led the league in pass attempts last year, but more volume than potentially what people are projecting if the offense isn't quite as good. And, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
Last year, there were, I mean, there's a lot of targets. I was I was just looking at the target share. There's a lot of targets that were not Antonio Brown of people who are not there. I mean, there's 39 targets for, for Jesse James. He's gone now. Um, there, gone. There's, so, I mean, you're talking, there, there's over 200, 230 targets, 240 targets available off of last year's passing volume that I, I think it's going to get funneled a lot more top end and you're not going to see guys like Steven Ridley, Roosevelt, Knicks, that type of player getting a, getting those targets because they're going to have Roosevelt, to go to their, their bigger guys. Roosevelt, yeah. <laughs> and or, or you know, whoever whoever else. I mean, I know Xavier Grimble is there and is probably gonna get some, you know, some reps at least as a backup tight end, but Vance McDonald's not splitting time on the field anymore with Jesse James. And these guys are one Juju Smith injury away from being one of the worst teams in football. <laughs> right? Like Big Ben is getting up, up there in, in Every age. Every Steelers and I just, fan hates you right now. For oh, that's that. fine. Like, it's all you, good. You, have to throw that out? you yeah, can say I mean, the same thing about Antonio Brown. Like, skip the last two years and go five years before that. If he got if he got hurt at some point, he never did. Yeah, so there were, there were some guys that I, I, in the offense though, like clear number twos and you know uh, Le'Veon Bell. And the defense was solid, but I, I don't know. Like to your point, this whole thing, like again, Jake, Big Ben, last round, do it every single time. Like he has QB one upside, and and to well, Brad's he, point, he's going to throw the football a ton. He's going to continue to do that. And here's the best part about like for that. I mean, you can do the I'll take a Carson Wentz, I'll take a Kyler Murray, I'll take a Lamar Jackson, and then say, you know what? If it bombs, guess what? I got Ben Roethlisberger in the last round anyway. Yeah, like, it's it's really the upside of what he has there. Um, I don't. Do we want to you know save the red? Yeah, we'll save the red. Red. I can't even talk today anymore. All of a sudden, save the rest of the AFC North for for Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk Ravens, Bengals, and of course the best team in business, Browns. Of you know going to Super Bowl, taking home a championship. I got people on Instagram, Chris. You know. The Steelers aren't going to make the. Oh, there you go. I'll give you the hot take I got on Instagram. Steelers aren't making the playoffs. The Browns are winning the division. Well, yeah, that's that's a hot take, all right. You I don't agree. you don't think that could happen? I agree with it. I think you do. It could happen. The Steelers I, are missing the playoffs. I think it could happen. Yeah, wow. I think it could. And they did last year. I know, but it's two years in a row. Steelers missed, and they missed by like a well, game essentially. Steelers that, fans like definitely have to hate game. me. I think it, we've been talking about this, Jake, for a couple of years. Like, I feel like Tomlin has like been close to that hot seat. Like everything that's happened over the past couple of years. Well, like, that was the other part of their conversation. Is they said they hate Mike Tomlin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it seems like he's he's over the past couple of years. Like he's I just like lost Mike the Tomlin. locker room. I like him too. Like it's fine. Like, but sometimes you need you need a change. And you know what, what was the stat we talked about last year? Like another loss in Oakland last year. I think there was like three straight losses he had had against the Raiders. Like there was no business to lose that game in Oakland at the end of the year when you know your whole season's on the line and then everything with Antonio Brown that's happened it's not just Antonio Brown that you know we can all point the finger at Brown and what he's done over the past couple years there's a lot going on in Pittsburgh and I don't know man like like I said like Big Ben's got what what does he have like another year or two left of being close to elite like I don't even know if I want to call him elite anymore at this point (laughs) They just signed him to an extension, so they're hoping yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, by the way, somebody did ask the question, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell being gone, is, is the locker room like easier and less chaotic now? Somebody asked that. I was surprised they, they were Maybe. bold enough to ask that question. And he danced around. what everybody's around thinking. It. Well, no, he danced around, and he said, you know, I don't really look at that. I just look at the fact that it's two huge talents off my team that really could have helped me win game ball, which is – I think most coaches would think of it that way. I don't, you know, of course, like you said, you know, no idea what yeah, he said. He's avoiding the headline for <laughs> yeah. sure at that point. <laughs> All right. So before we get out of here, a little kind of, 
I know a lot of people want to focus on fantasy football, but there are a few things we want to throw our opinions out on. So kind of like at the end of the show, it'll be kind of like a random wrap up as we hit quick hit things like minute or two. So still football right now. Chris, we did get the news. Chris Herndon gets four games, not even two on a suspension. Are you still drafting him at this point as like maybe a late pick? Yeah. And I mean, if you follow you know, outside the 12th, 13th round. I don't like to carry two tight ends, but I still like him. And the fact that it's four games, I think there'll be a, a more of a discount. So, uh, Brad, you had a strategy last week, and, you know, you talked about Herndon, Herndon. If, you know, if you draft him, maybe Lacoste or something, you can just make it work with the first four weeks of the season. But I, I still think he's a solid breakout. And now that there's four games, we'll get better value on him. Yeah, and Lacoste is, I mean, assuming we don't get a Gronk surprise before the season, um, Lacoste is going to be the guy in, in New England for sure because Ben Watson's out for the first four games also. So I, I think they're a perfect pair to to match up, you know, for if you if you are drafting two and you're getting really late, like it, it makes sense to have them both. All right, so sticking with football, Brad, we'll go back to you first. Yes. Because one, one of them is your guy. Patrick yeah. Mahomes and Odell Beckham are throwing balls really, really, really far. Do you, does this, does this, do you even care about this? Um, it, it's it's fun for social media. I'll say that. And the fact that they had a helicopter viewing Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball out of Arrowhead Stadium, that's, I mean, that's stupid. Like, I, I mean, obviously I've been, to, been there. That is so far. It's so far. And like, who knows? Like, they, they probably could be like, hey, let's let's line up on the goal line and see how far you can throw it. And he'd throw it through the uprights on the other end. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at this point. Um, at the same time, the fact that OBJ can do it is pretty impressive because you don't expect that out of a wide receiver. Yeah, I was more impressed with that. Patrick Mahomes, like this guy is to me, he can't do no wrong. Like he's just, he's just unbelievable. His arm is, is fantastic, and it's just effortless. Like when you watch him play in the football field, it's just, it's, it's like a little flick of the wrist, the sidearm, whatever it is. Like, just and so whatever impressive. position his body is in, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, he's so contorted all the time, and he still throws bullets right on the money. He's a freak. Yeah. All right, so either of you guys watch Wimbledon. I saw I some yesterday. I didn't. I was on the course yesterday, some. but yeah, I missed out. Oh yeah, Chris was out match. there having rich white guy problems on the goal. <laughs> <laughs> People hitting into me all day, like. Oh, uh, you, you missed like one of the best matches of all time. So this was my this is my question for you then. I guess more so Brad because he actually saw it, but. but if Wimbledon, like, and I know I was being a, a thousand percent just jokey with it, but I don't like that it's still like it's it, it's it's the penalty kicks if to decide the World Cup. I understand you can't have these matches go on forever, but can't we think of something, Brad, where like you know I know baseball is trying the the runner on second base, like something in tennis, like where I don't know you can only hit to the right, so like you you collapse the court or something like. I just hate the fact that it went down to what it did and, you know, you, you lose everything on one match where you didn't want to see either one of them lose. Yeah. And I agree it. I think in the championship match, you should, you shouldn't have that getting, getting there, you know, all the, the previous rounds, if you go to a fifth set and it's 12, 12 and you want to do a tie break, totally fine. Um, because you can't, these guys got to come back in and play two days later, whoever wins in the championship. That's not the case. Like they're, they're just done. So I, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it yeah, better when it was forever. like twenty-five, twenty-three in the fifth set. You know that yeah, that kind of stuff that? would be. Was that the U.S. Open? There was U.S. Open that, does what? that. Yeah, yeah. and it's this. like I, I love it. I, I think you know let him, let them play until there's it's it's not some kind of a fluke like random point here or there that determines it. It's it's got to be you know what you got to win a full game. It was the longest singles final in tournament history. I mean, it was just yeah, what was under still, five well, hours. Still could have went yeah. longer. Still could have went yeah much longer than that. It felt no like. tie breaks. Wimbledon, you're terrible people. 
Just kidding. We love you. I would agree, though. Uh, NBA, quick hit before we get out of here. Because we got. uh, You're going to love the fact that it's a quick hit, Brad, because we're not even going that deep into it. (laughs) Russell Westbrook (laughs) traded, Chris. It just. Boom. Finally happened. And. Epic. Is it much of an upgrade? Like, you know this. I, I, I forget if I texted it to you or who I did. I think Russell Westbrook gets too much hate. Well, yeah, he gets too much hate because of the triple doubles, I believe. Like, everyone just like, oh, you know, he's just out there trying to get triple doubles. And, you know, he, he had that year where I think it was the first year when he got the, the average You know how much of a ball hog he is? Kevin Durant won the MVP when he played with him. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Durant. Absolutely. And I think he's good. I think he's I think he's one of the better players in the league, to be honest with you. I mean, he, he goes full out every single game. He's aggressive. He's probably the most athletic player in the NBA. And I, I, yeah, I'm yeah, i pretty confident now? saying that. No, not really. They're going to be fun to watch. Uh, but I don't know, like, come playoff time, if they're going to be able to. I mean, if you go look at the most turnovers ever in, like, the five seasons, I mean, it's Harden-Westbrook, Harden-Westbrook, Harden-Westbrook. <laughs> like, it's all. So there's, there's going to be a lot of turnovers. So but It's going to be 130 <laughs> to 120 every game. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's going to be fun. They're going to be a really, really fun team to watch. I like that they didn't, you know, fold their entire squad. And I think they were going to do that up until the fact where Kevin Durant decided, you know, obviously he had the injury and then Clay had the injury and now it's just completely wide open in the West. So they'll right. they'll be That's what yeah, I said. Houston I think went from being like, three, oh, yeah, let's, team. let's scrap this crap and get rid of Chris Paul to, oh, uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. And how about the Thunder? And they got 15 first round picks from now until 2026. Now, some of them are not going to be great first round picks, but I mean, it's, it's too bad for a yeah, low market you know what team. The Thunder can do? Package them. No, I was gonna say in about four years they can have a trio of Harden, Durant, and Westbrook, <laughs> yeah. and then lose oh, all of them. And it's hard to believe we we never we never got to see them. They went to the finals that one year with Harden coming off the bench, and then they got nothing to show for those those three guys. Disappointing right. if you're a Thunder fan. Here's the NBA thing you can jump in on, Brad. So yep. this kind of got swept under the rug news wise. Like I didn't see anybody talking about this, and I think it's weird because this is kind of a big deal in my opinion. There are challenges in basketball now. Like, there is a red flag. It's not going to be a red flag. There's For people who want to know, like, football, red flag, challenge. There are coaches' challenges in basketball. A, quote, personal foul charge to either team, a called out-of-bounds violation, a goaltend violation, or basket interference can now be challenged by a coach in the NBA next year, Chris. Are, are you a fan of coaches' challenges now coming to basketball? Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Get the calls right. If if you're if you have the replay available to you, the technology, just get it right. Every other sport is doing it. The NBA's been a little bit behind here and watching the playoffs, like there was some pretty poor officiating throughout the playoffs. So I have no problem with this. I like it. I actually the the one part of it I don't like is the fact that it, like on the personal foul a, a foul has to be called for them to challenge it. I think a lot of times the 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 fouls that that would be most challengeable are the ones that are not called. It's like man, he just got mauled. Why not? You know, well, why not? Let's get out of hand with like that though. Playing with your buddies and it's like oh foul. You're calling all your fault. All fault. <laughs> I mean, you, you get one a game, so save it okay. save it for a big moment. But yeah, okay. like. Yeah, I, I think that's more, a lot more likely than a foul that was called that, like, oh, there was zero contact. Because okay. there's going to have to be zero contact that, well, for them to overturn it. you won a game, and that, that would be your one challenge, and you blew it on trying to get a foul. Okay, that makes a little bit right. more sense. I just, uh, I'm just i imagining pickup games like, oh, you got me, dude. You got me in the arm. <laughs> that was a foul. That guy. Everything, everything's a foul, yeah. All right. This, this is, by the way, real quick, this is going to cause a lot of arguments between players and coaches because they're going to be saying, like, hey, hey, challenge it, challenge it. And the coach is going to be like, I don't want to use mine on that one. 
And because oh, if you only get one, that's such a, please don't LeBron's do what baseball gonna... does. Don't give them thirty seconds to decide so they can stand there and watch the screen and decide whether or not they like. Don't pl- please don't go yeah. down that road. And yeah. Brad, we already know that in the NBA, the players run the league. No question. If, if no you've question. seen the off season, the players, the the, the GMs, and the owners about, have Chris? no say at all. Like they still get paid well though. I, yeah, I don't, I don't believe do. you. All right. Uh, ten words or less, Chris. All right. Yeah. Ten words or less. I'm going to count. Nike won't let LeBron switch numbers. He's stuck with 23 because there's too many jerseys left over and too much re- like revenue and all co- blah, 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 sunk cost. So he is sticking with 23. Anthony Davis is going to be number three. Thoughts? Tried to pull a fast one. That's it. That's all I got. Like he, no, you stop. You said that's it. You went too far. You're done. That's it, Brad. (laughs) Do I get more than ten? Nike gave him the option to pay for the pre-made jerseys, and he said no. That's too many words. That's all right. You went over. Got the point across. (laughs) (laughs) You could have got the point across and stopped and still jumped ten. We knew where you were going with it. All right, last one before we get out of here. Baseball. Andrew Kashner to the Red Sox. You guys know my response because I messaged you guys and I said this is why I can laugh at Mets fans. I understand they're probably miserable right now because as the clock continues to tick down, other teams are finding solutions because the Mets don't want to sell for the unreasonable or unright or whatever. They're not getting what they want. So guess what? You just took one player off the table because Chris Kashner is on the Red Sox now, who surprisingly has a very nice ERA this year. Yeah, he does. He's been one of Baltimore's better pitchers so far this season. He's familiar with the division, so I think it's a it's a decent pickup. I don't think he's is he a must add in fantasy great. for the leagues that don't own him because there's a lot of <sighs> leagues that didn't have him just because he's pitching on the Orioles too. Right. Yeah, I I don't think he's a must own in a deeper format, 14, 16 team leagues. If you if you're hurting, I think he's just he's just a spot start streamer guy. Like you're you're not going to feel comfortable ro- rolling him out there every week. Like you're never going to want to play him against the Yankees, especially at Yankee Stadium. You just you're just not going to want to. You shouldn't want to, anyways. Yeah, I, I I like this move for Boston. They still need bullpen help for sure, um, but but I think it's uh, you know when they get Eovaldi back, um, it, it's gonna you know it'll help even even just emotionally in that locker room. Uh, but they still need to add somebody and and go all in again. Go all in, I like it, and we'll be going all in again on Wednesday. Again, reminder: Mondays and Wednesdays. More AFC North. We'll get the three teams we didn't get to today. Sorry for all the Steelers talk for everybody that's going to be frustrated by that. But we're going to hit all the divisions, and that's what we're trying to do. We're also going to talk some Scott Fishbowl on Wednesday, uh, maybe some about our drafts, but not so much for you know you guys that aren't in it, but also just super flex strategy because it is a super flex league, which is a bunch of weird scoring. But super flex strategy, AFC North wrap up on Wednesday. Follow Chris at Chris Meany. Follow Brad Ziegler at Brad Ziegler. You know me, and I'm all a kid. Check out the apps on the well, no, the podcast on the app on the bottom left hand corner and the website top right hand corner. And I'll be hopefully less tongue tied on Wednesday. <laughs>